0: Welcome to a special series from Christchurch of Oronogo, where we're having conversations about an impact partner of ours, Fostering Hope. My name is Maggie Shade. I serve as a community impact minister at Christchurch, and I'm joined by Sarah Birch and Joanna Holton. Today, you'll get to hear a little bit of the heart behind the ministry and all of the incredible things they do for kids in our community. I hope this conversation encourages you toward prayer, generosity, and involvement with Fostering Hope. Well, hi, ladies. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thanks Good. for having us. Good. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for being here. I am so excited about this because, A, I love the work of Fostering Hope. I'm a little bit biased. I get to serve as a board member. Um, so I love all the work that goes on, but also, y'all are my friends. So it's kind of fun. And <laughs> it's <is laughs> just fun. hanging out. I love it. So, okay, let's start with just tell me a little bit about yourself. Sarah, tell me about yourself. Okay. My name is Sarah Birch. Um, I've, my, my husband Jeff, um,
1: we've lived in this area for 17 years. We're not from here originally. Um, we've got three kiddos. Uh, my oldest is 16. I've got a 13 year old and an 11 year old. And we fostered for, I think, six years, six or seven years total. Mm-hmm. We're not currently fostering, okay. um, but we both uh, serve through fostering hope. I love that. Awesome.
2: Joanna? My name is Joanna Holden. I serve as the program director for Fostering Hope. Um, Sarah is the executive director. Sorry, I forgot to tell you that. It's okay. A okay. Uh, My husband Zach and I have been married for twenty-one years. Um, We have five kiddos. Our oldest is eighteen. She's graduating this year, which is insane. That's wild. So old. (laughs) So wild. Um, I have one that just turned sixteen. And I have another daughter that's 15. And then we have a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. Um, We fostered about the same amount of time as Jeff and Sarah, about seven years or so. We had about 30 kids that came in and out of our house. We ended up adopting our two youngest from foster care. So that's a crazy journey. We had no intention of adopting when we started foster care. But I cannot imagine my life without those two. I mean, I can't even imagine my life without those two. So of course, (laughs) just complete
0: your family. I love them so much. Um, So I love that because obviously this isn't just a job for you guys. It isn't just, you know, something that you just decided to step into. This is really, truly your heartbeat. You have been there. You've been in the fostering world for a long time. Like you just get it at a level that a lot of people don't. So I love that that really fuels a lot of what you do. So I really love the story of fostering hope. I want you to share a little bit about that. It essentially began. You guys didn't start it together. You well, were we kind didn't of didn't even know, we know each like, other. Yeah, that's so crazy. You were kind of doing your own thing. So, Sarah, what did it look like for you at the beginning? So it was actually about ten years ago.
1: Now this time of year, um, our church approached my husband and I. They knew that we were interested in foster care and fostering eventually. So they approached us and said, hey, we would like to look into how we can support our local foster care community. Can you guys head that up? Um, So we were like, sure. We had no idea what it would look like. Um, We did know from the beginning that we didn't want it to be like just a ministry of one particular church. Mm -hmm. We always had the vision that it would be um, more of a community-based thing where hopefully we would get multiple churches involved and businesses and groups and things like that. So that's really all we knew from the beginning. Mm Um, the first step, we just went and set up a meeting with Jasper County Children's Division. And I remember being very nervous about the fact like, what are they going to think of a church <laughs> coming in and wanting to be involved? And would they even allow it? Um, what would their attitude yeah. towards that be? So that was a little nerve wracking for me. But we set up a meeting. I was, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the circuit manager at the time, she was very excited and very eager for us to. Find ways to support them. Um, so it was pretty easy. And we just we just learned about, you know, this was 10 years ago. So we're like, what what does foster care in our community look like? What are the needs? At that time in Jasper County alone, I remember her saying there were 627 kids in foster care. Wow. And that number completely blew my mind. Because we hadn't looked into like I hadn't looked into the numbers at all. I didn't know. Um, and you know, not being from here, we're from a little bit bigger towns. My Uh husband's from Indianapolis, I'm from Des Moines. But since we moved here, we're like, oh, this is a small community. Right. That's what we loved about it. So hearing that big number blew my mind, um, which kind of fueled us deciding we always wanted to foster when our kids got older. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of changed that conversation a little mm-hmm. bit, and we talked about it, and we ended up, you know, deciding, you know, we feel called to go ahead and take those classes now and start mm-hmm. that process now, which is mm-hmm. kind of how we got involved then. Um. But other than that, just finding out what the needs were, I was surprised to find out one of the biggest needs was just support for agency workers. Oh yeah, That wasn't something I yeah. had initially thought of, really.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's such a high turnover rate in caseworkers in foster care. They have, I mean, I always say I, I don't think I could ever do that job. It's so burdensome. Right. They have such high caseloads. Um, I just, you know, it's so stressful. Yeah. Um, and so she talked a lot then at that meeting about, you know, we've got, our investigator unit, particularly at that time, was just having a difficult time. They'd yeah. gone through a rough patch with cases. And so we were brainstorming with her. What could we do to support them? So we ended up, the very first thing we ever did was we rented out House of Bounce for the afternoon and just allowed them, the workers, to go and just have fun That's and so fun, pull off some steam I and just that. kind of play together. And so that was really the first thing we did. Um, another thing that she talked about was they had a annual foster parent appreciation dinner Mm -hmm. and they just wanted to you know love on their foster parents this had always been done by the staff at children's division so Mm -hmm. they would just kind of host a potluck style dinner Mm -hmm. and it was always you know obviously in the evening so these workers are working long days and then they're trying to put together this dinner for families and so just in talking with her about that we're like that's something we could easily take off your plate. that's not a problem at all so that was the other first thing we did Um, And that's actually where I met
0: Joanna was at that dinner. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so while all of that is going on, like, a whole different thing is kind of brewing in you and Zach's mind.
2: Like, what did that look like? We started fostering in 2010. So we had been fostering for a couple years at that point. And... I mean, doing it and being in the system just kind of realized there's some gaps here. right? And we were really blessed because we had a lot of friends and a family that supported our decision to foster. And when we would be like, hey, we just picked up two twin Mm 18-month-olds, they were right there to be like, oh, hey, I have a crib you can borrow, or hey, let me help you get some clothes. And we realized that we were probably unique in that situation that not a lot of other foster families had that. Right. Um, And when we kind of looked around, we were like, there's nothing that offers right. that kind of resource to them. So um, just kind of grew in our minds that we could just start collecting clothes and putting the word out that if people need it, we could help them do that. It's a really rough start. <laughs> <laughs> really rough start. Um, we just kept hitting things along the way that we were like, it felt like Satan saying, nah, you're not going to yeah. do this. And yeah. we were just like, it's needed. So we right. kept pushing forward. And so we— Called it the Karen Closet, and it started in my living room, (laughs) which Zach would tell you at this point, they were always clothes all over the house, and none of them belonged to any of our children. That is hilarious. Everywhere, and it got to the point where it just got big, so we moved it into our garage. (laughs) And then that got too big, and then Zach was like, "I need to be able to park my car in there." And to this day, he'll still tell you he can't park his. car. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen your car <laughs> Not parked much in your has garage. Changed. No, a he hasn't been about able that. to park his car in our garage for ten years. So, so sorry about that. Um, and then we ended up moving into a storage unit for a little while, and I mean, it was it was going well. I felt like God was using it, yeah. in small ways. And then I went to that foster parent appreciation dinner. I remember I went by myself. I'm not sure why. I think Zach was doing something with the other kids, but we had two babies at the time. So I... I'm not even sure why I went, but I went in and lugging these two babies in car seats. I think you came
1: to get some diapers because we had gotten (laughs) some diapers left over from the (laughs) tornado. I (laughs) was desperate.
2: He was like, free diapers? diapers." Yes, I will be there. I have two babies. (laughs) Yeah, because that was something else that Zach and I—and they had never had like this appreciation dinner that was hosted by a church, and so I kind of wanted to check that out too because while we were really well supported by friends and family, it's different when People don't really understand what you're going through because they're not doing it. And so there were times when we felt so isolated and so alone and just like, I don't think I can do this one more day. I think I'm going to lose my mind. And so I just wanted to check that out too as far as who else is here. They didn't have events for families to kind of get together. And so that's where I met Sarah, the pastor of their church, knew my husband and I. And then knew them. And then I think he just was like, oh, hey, Mm -hmm. you guys should probably meet. So (laughs) I love that. That's where it started. And
1: I had seen her going to children's division for different meetings. I had seen her in the office with a baby on each (laughs) hip. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh.
2: I can't imagine. <laughs> I, mean, no. I was so strong back
0: then. <laughs> oh my gosh. I didn't Joana, have to work that out. is legitimately like when I think about the first time I ever met you, like I just picture you with two babies. That I think <laughs> is for a lot of people like, oh yeah, they're showing it with their two babies. Yeah. That was kind of our
2: reality. We always we did babies, drug babies usually straight from the hospital. And for whatever reason, they always came in yeah. twos always came in twos. So uh, we always had (laughs) two.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, that's a really cool. I mean, I feel like it's a full circle moment then to see that you guys met at that appreciation dinner. And then now each year, like you guys getting to host that and plan it and all of that. I love seeing kind of that, how God works that out. Mm-hmm. So then how what it what ended up happening? So you had caring closet, you guys were launching this idea for fostering hope. And then eventually you kind of merged. How did that happen? I remember we were we just got together one evening and we're talking and we're
1: like, this is silly. Why are we doing this right. separately? Yeah. Um, I knew that we needed help and I think she knew that they <laughs> needed help. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot to to take on. And Absolutely, we had a group of people, you know, helping us at our church as well. But it was like she'd been there, done that. I hadn't at that point. I hadn't fostered. Yeah. So her, you know, her and Zach had fostered right. already. They were involved, um, and we just thought, let's just do this together. It makes the most sense. And we both, I think, had the same vision ultimately, and sure. that we knew we wanted it to be. Um, more broad a community effort and not just, you know, tied to one specific church, but we wanted to get lots of churches yeah. involved.
2: Yeah, because I mean, to this day, it's a huge need and not one person or one no. church can Absolutely. do it, but if everybody just takes a little piece of it, yeah. It's amazing what you can do. Absolutely.
0: And I think that, you know, the the birth of fostering hope is really um a lesson to a lot of people who who have a heart for something and they maybe want to start something. There's a lot to learn from that that Um, don't do it alone. If there's somebody else that wants to do it too, like don't reinvent the wheel partner with them. Mm -hmm. That's an incredible lesson. Also just going straight to children's division. No, you Sarah, you were like, all right, what, what are the needs? Like, this is a heart that we have. We don't just want to start creating things that maybe aren't needed, or maybe that's not what would be the biggest need, but to say like, Hey, Tell us what you need and we're going to show up and we're going to do that. And I think that that's such a lesson um, for churches or just people that want to start organizations that that is an incredible way to go about that. So I really love that. Um, okay. So I would love to know just kind of a glimpse of the foster care world in our community right now. So in, in impact world, a lot of times we say, what are the bad news stories of our community and how is God calling us to be the good news solution to that? So what, what are those bad news stories of foster care? Obviously no child ends up in foster care because their life is rainbows and butterflies. There's trauma, there's something terrible that has happened and they end up, but, um, what, what does foster care look like right now? Like what, what are some of the numbers? What are, what are some of the, the holes or the gaps in the system that you're seeing right
2: now, specifically in our community? So as far as numbers go, we um, serve seven counties. We, we serve any family from any county that comes to us, mm-hmm. but we have um, direct relationships with children's division in seven counties. So we have, as of the last part of March, there were 837 wow. kids in care in those counties, and we have 390 families. And some of those families are actual licensed families, like they've decided, we want to foster. We went through the classes. We got really prepared. But probably about half of those families are what we call relative kinship families. So they're people that foster care was not on their radar at all. But then one day they got a call that was like, you know, it's a teacher, and hey, we have this Mm -hmm. student in your school that needs a home, or a grandparent or an aunt, that, hey, there's this Mm -hmm. kid in your family that could you take them? Otherwise, they're going to have to go to another home. Yeah. So the numbers are staggering, I yeah, think, sometimes. Absolutely. And what Sarah and I talk about a lot, too, is that those numbers can seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But that 837, that each one of those is a child. Mm-hmm. It's not just a number. They're right. just not data. It's a child. Mm-hmm. And each of those children represents a biological family mm-hmm. that— is struggling, and they're not inherently bad people. Absolutely. No, that think, was
1: one of the things I think was my biggest lesson, too, mm-hmm. is going into fostering itself. Yeah. I was most fearful of what is this going to look like, a relationship with the biological family, and are they going to come stalk my house exactly. and try to get their kid back? And it was those, those kind of fears For sure. that played a big role. And it was meeting these families along the way, it's like, oh, it's almost— hard not to see how they did not end up in this situation because it's such a generational cycle and it's so common for, I mean, so many of the kids, I would say, like I said, I think we only had five kids total in those Mm -hmm. six-year period. But I think four of those, if I'm remembering correctly, all of their parents were in foster care at some point in time.
2: It's the same for us too. Yeah. And it's almost like if you were to swap lives with them, like picture yourself, I mean, but by the grace of God, yes. I grew up in a home right. that was very different. But had I grown up in that home, I would probably be in the exact same Absolutely. situation. It's And these people, it's not that they don't love their kids. Yes. They love their children fiercely. It's just that they're stuck in cycles of drug abuse or poverty, and they just can't get out of
1: it. Yeah. And they don't have the support system that so many of us are fortunate to have, For where sure. they can lean on other people to help yeah. when they're going through tough times. Yeah, well,
0: and we've talked about this recently, where um, a lot of times when they do have their child removed, because of who is surrounding them, maybe they're not healthy people or they're not making great choices, and so they have to get rid of those people. And so now, your child has been removed. You have to, you've had to take away all of your community, and now you're trying to do this what feels like the impossible task of getting your kid back. And it's like, oh my God. I mean, we've seen that in supervised visits when I talk to these bio parents and hear their stories. And I just think, yeah, same what you were saying. Like, of course you're here. Of course this is what has happened to you. Like, you didn't stand a chance. Who who was in your corner? Who was fighting for you? Who— we you know, had a visit at the beginning where it was a mom and a teenage boy, and she handled this situation with him really, really well. I just thought, oh my gosh, that was so—I just love what she said. And I remember thinking, I'm going to file that away because she handled that so well. She validated his feelings, but she also reminded him that he was loved and also kind of stood her ground on some things. And so afterward, I was like, hey— You did so well with that. You are a really good mom. And she broke down. She has 16-year-old, so she's been a mom for 16 years. She broke down crying and said, nobody has ever told me I'm a good mom before. And I thought, oh my gosh. How how would you thrive as a parent if nobody has ever been in your corner like that? Mm -hmm. It was so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So would you say that's a big kind of gap in the system is support for bio parents? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Is there um, any, like, Plans or any things that you see that you would like to see happen to kind of support them. We've got big
2: dreams. <laughs> yeah. we Lots have of dreams. Big dreams <laughs> that sometimes seem totally impossible. But I I don't know. I just think I have no idea how God took this ministry from where it was ten years ago and has brought it to where it is. So Absolutely. I'm just gonna say I love a God who does impossible things. Absolutely. So I believe wholeheartedly that if we keep Dreaming these dreams and having these plans, it's it'll happen.
1: Yeah, and I think too, you know what Christchurch has been doing and started up recently was a supervised visits, and that's something that we're hoping to duplicate in other churches in our community. And that's such an an easy way to serve and live on these bio families and build relationships with them. And I think that's the key, really, um, to helping. These, these kids, these families, everybody is just building relationships and connecting with them and absolutely um, being in their corner, like you had said.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I love that you have those dreams and I love that they're, you know, you have the dreams, you have the plans, but you're also like, okay, we trust that God's going to do it. Like I think about standing in a storage unit with you, you know, however many years ago <laughs> and looking at all these tubs and just thinking like, man, wouldn't it be so cool if, if there was like a store, if there was like a place that parents could go and kids could shop and they could pick out toys and they could look at clothes and they're on hangers and not into <laughs> bags and all of that. And it's like, here we are. Like yeah. that's, that's a reality. And so it's so, it's so cool to like, think of like, you know the the visions and goals now, and be like, "Oh, that seems really impossible." But to look back ten years ago and be like, "Yeah, so did all of this." Like our reality now was a dream ten years ago, yeah, and that's where we are. So, speaking of that, what um, what kind of are the visions and goals of of fostering hope, Sarah? Like, what is the why? Why why does this exist? Well,
1: our why, I mean, it's pretty simple. We just believe kids in foster care matter, and. We believe specifically the church is called to care for orphans. And so we see kids in foster care as our our orphans. And so not only does it, you know, the state is involved, obviously, through foster care, but um, we can see the need for the church to be involved and for those connections to be made. And also just our community as a whole. Like Mm. everybody, like we were saying, everybody can take a piece of this puzzle. Mm. And if we each take a small piece, we can do so much together together. And I think that's really our vision is just being a connector between here's what the needs are and putting it out into the community. Um, Because the needs, I mean, they vary all the time. We get, you know, so many different random requests. And um, so it's just nice that we can put that out there to the community. And it's usually filled pretty quickly. Um, One thing I know a lot of times when people think of foster care, it's, the need for foster parents. And that is true. Obviously, those numbers show that. We've got a huge yeah. discrepancy between the number of kids in our community and the number of families. Yeah, um, And we do have a huge need for foster families,
2: especially families that would take on older kids. Um, yeah, I was going to say, just real quick, in the numbers piece of it, out of the 837 kids in those counties, we there's about 300 teens that we serve that are wow. 13 and up and it's heartbreaking sometimes to see the number of those kids that aren't actually living in their community because there's no homes for them in those yeah. communities so they end up having to be moved out of county to So in these really
0: homes. formative years junior high high school yep. they're moved to a new yeah. a new county a new school a new family yeah. just because they don't have somebody in their own community that will
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: and them it's
0: in. also i think the numbers to say you know
1: most kids in foster care have three different placements mm-hmm. so unfortunately oftentimes it's not like they go to one home and they stay there till they go home sometimes they're going to residential sometimes they're bouncing back and forth between maybe a kinship placement and then a foster placement and then they go back home and then they go back into care to a different foster placement so the need for foster families is obviously very big in our community um and we feel you know that's one thing that we pray about like hopefully God will open the hearts of those right. he calls to right. foster. And there, we do believe there are people that are called to foster, but not everybody. Yeah. And there's just so many different ways to get involved from fostering. Respite care is another huge yeah. need in our community. Um, you know, Joanna talked about feeling isolated when you're fostering, and that's mm-hmm. that's so true. I never would have thought that either. But yeah. it's just even if you have a good support system, it's just you're so— I don't know. Just overwhelmed with the yeah, needs of for sure. of this child, and the way I think of it is like each time we got a new kid in our home, it was like creating a new a new normal. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's a process, and yeah. it's it's can be trying on families, for and sure. it's hard sometimes, and so breaks are needed. Yeah. And You know, that's one thing we would love to see grow in our community is just respite care.
2: Yeah. We'd love to see respite care grow where it's not worn out, isolated, tired foster families doing respite for for other worn out, tired. Right. (laughs) Which is what the reality is is now. It's just like, I'm exhausted from this kid. And so friends, friend, another foster friend, says, "Okay, I'll give you a break if you'll give me a break," and that's not ideal. No, not at not all. Ideal. I mean,
0: I I was with you at Caring Closet a couple of weeks ago, and a foster mom came in, yep. with so many babies, and you were like, "Why do you have a lot of babies?" And she was like, "Oh, this one's so and so's, and this one's so and so's," uh-huh. and she was doing respite for yeah. another foster parent. Yep. She
2: had two in strollers and one strapped oh to her body, gosh. and I was just like, "And huh. that's so <laughs> common." <laughs> it yes. is. It is, and I, I just think that we can we can do better. We can, we can have more respite families available
0: for these families
2: just to take a break, even if it's just a night off or a weekend away. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
0: So Joanna, there's, there's a lot that fostering hope does and it's all absolutely incredible. So tell us a little bit about the programs, the resources, what, what all does fostering hope offer?
2: That would take a really long time. And then people would be like, I'm completely lost. So we've kind of broken it into tiers to make it easier to kind of put everything into what we do. So we have child-focused programming and foster family-focused programming and then agency-focused. So just a couple of the big things we do in each one. We have the caring closet, Mm -hmm. which is where the families can come and get clothes and shoes and toys and all that kind of stuff. We have one in Carl Junction. and We just opened one up in Lamar, which we're super excited about. cool. Um, so we have families that don't have to drive 45 minutes to an hour yeah. to come get stuff. They can wow. drive, you know, 15 minutes yeah. to their own community and get stuff. Um, and then we do we do teen events, which we've just started. We got a really awesome grant that's allowing us to do more for our teens so cool. and care, which has been started small, but it's been fantastic. We had some kids that came to one of our events a couple months ago, and they're like, is this what church is usually like? Because we hold them here at the church, and they were just—it's fun. We just do life skill stuff, and we play nine square and eat food and do stuff like that. I love that. Um, So for family-focused programming, I think probably the biggest one that we do is Christmas of Hope. Mm -hmm. Um, We do— we raise a whole lot of money in a really small amount of time, and we do Christmas gifts for the kids in care. And it's not just like we go and guess what a six-year-old right. might want. We They actually get to fill out a wish list every so single cool. kid, and then we have these wish lists that we hand out to shoppers. It is probably our most <laughs> stressful, exhausting, chaotic, best time of the year. We love Christmas of Hope. Um, so cool. So we do that for families, but we also do things smaller. Like we do freezer meals for families that we can just say, hey, here, if you're having a rough week or you've got sickness in the house or you have a new placement, here's a freezer meal. And we send out encouragement cards, which I wasn't sure that that was going to be something that would be helpful. But it's weird because we'll have families that come in. They're like, I was having the worst day. Mm -hmm. I was ready to quit. And then it was really bizarre. I got this card in the mail. And it said exactly what I needed it to say. And we're like, well, that's God for you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So
2: we do that too. Um, And then for agency stuff, we do snacks every month for the agencies. Um, We always kind of joke like, we're not sure how to best support them, so we just feed them. <laughs> feed them as much and as they and, yeah, they, that that me, so and they love I'm it. And that works for me, so I'm sure it works for them. <laughs> like, I love that I came into work today and there was a snack of <laughs> stuff, Absolutely. a little bag of snacks on my desk. So we do that for them each month, and then we have a, an appreciation breakfast in the fall. and That's really cool. Yeah. So that's, a, that's like a nutshell of what we do. There's other stuff, but it's so it gets, great. it gets
0: overwhelming. <laughs> I, I can imagine. But that's one thing I love about it is that obviously, you know, like you said, there are so many kids in care, so many families, so many agency workers who all need different things. And so you're able to really kind of step into that relationship and say, okay, what is it that you need? What can we be for this kid or for this family? Um, but what's really cool about that is that you can bring in the community too. You know, like you were saying, Sarah, this is not just, it's not just the fostering hope thing. You really want to be the connector because we have just such an incredible community. I mean, I don't think there's any community like this community anywhere in the world. And so we have so many people that want to help, that want to do something. But a lot of times they're like, I don't know what that is. And so fostering hope gets to serve as that connection to say, hey, we have a child that needs a bike or is a you know high schooler that's aging out and they need to set up their apartment and they need a bed or we have this event that we need volunteers for or we're low on toiletries at the caring closet and you can really be that connecting point between the community and the foster care community which is so cool so if somebody wanted to get more involved in the work of fostering hope how would they do that what would that look like
1: I think they could just contact us um, directly and we could just See where they best fit in. Um, we have a lot of need right now for volunteers at our caring closet, and that is located in Carl Junction. And we're open Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon um, for foster families to come in. We're also open during the week by appointment, but we really try to staff it well on Saturdays because it can get pretty
0: busy. Which I'll say, it's so fun. It like fun. if you're looking for a way to get involved, it's so fun. To I mean, you get to see foster families coming in, you get to see kids. Like sometimes I've, you know, played with kids so parents can go shop or, you know, just help kids. Last time I was there, I was helping a little girlfriend in Easter dress. It's like, what? There is no better way I can. It's spend so my fun, time.
1: And it's like when we're having a rough time, you know, and it feels like it's a burden at times to carry this sometimes and we're not, God's carrying it. But you know, like when we're just having those rough weeks yeah. and inevitably we go in and work on a Saturday, it's, and always, always, it's like we come out of there and we're like, okay, I remember why I'm doing absolutely. what I'm doing and absolutely. why it's important absolutely, and why it's needed. So it is. It's a lot of fun. You get a chance to meet the families. You mm-hmm. get a chance to meet the kids. Mm-hmm. And really what we're looking for, we f- feel like it works best if, you know, we can find a few people to commit to one Saturday a month. Yeah. And that way, you know, it doesn't overwhelm yeah. everybody. if Everybody can, for you know, sure. we can get three to four people in there each Saturday just serving these kids and families. Yeah. That would be a huge help to and us.
0: It's a great way. If you have, like, older kids that you want to serve together, that's mm-hmm. a great way to do that. I mean, there's, you know, always clothes that need to be hung up, always things that need to be, mm-hmm. you know, stored or put away and things like that. It's, you know, to have—if you, you know, have a high schooler that you're like, I would love to serve with them. That is a yeah, great opportunity absolutely. for that. Um, so. so I love that. That's that's a great a great way for people to serve. Um, we also at Christ Church have different events going on: Foster Parent Appreciation Dinner, Foster Parent Night Out in the fall. Um, you have the teen events that you're doing yeah. that you could use volunteers for. What would that look like at a teen event?
2: teen events are quarterly right now. They're on Monday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30. And it's basically just come and hang out with the kid, with the teen. It's It's You eat dinner with them. You know, you school them a little bit of nine square. Uh (laughs) You just do some events like that. And it's just, it's building a relationship. And these kids, it's funny because sometimes they come in and they're like, I do not want to be yes. here. That's very right, made come me come. And we're like, oh, welcome. We're so glad we're you're We're so here. glad you're here. <laughs> so come in. But by the time they leave, they're like, okay, that wasn't bad. That was pretty fun. And then they come mm-hmm. back. And I, we would love to see, like, some consistent people volunteering just to build relationships with those kids. Just to yeah. have for them to have yeah. one other person in the community that they know, right. this person cares about me. This person cares about what's going on in my life and where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we could ever have too many adults investing in the lives of these kids because they are at such a vulnerable stage of their lives. And the more that we can surround them with people that really love them and care about them, the better I think the outcome will be for them.
0: Absolutely.
2: So we would love to have people that love Mm -hmm. teens to come and— pour into them at those events. Yeah. I love that. And I don't school them at night school. <laughs> just like
0: <know> you No, know. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think you've got some secret <laughs> nine square skills that, that come out. I believe that. Well ladies, thank you so much. A for this conversation. It's been so fun to just talk through the history and all the work that fostering hope does, but also just thank for you thankful for your work and what you do and your heart for kids and for families. And I have a front row seat to all of the things (laughs) that you guys do. And I don't know, I don't know if you sleep ever. I don't know like when you ever take a break, but um, it's just incredible just to see people who um, love Jesus so much that they want to see um, Him made known in our community and want, you know, families to to know that they are not alone and for kids to know that they are supported and for agency workers to know, like you got a front row seat to a really- A lot of trauma and a lot of heartbreak, but we're in your corner and we support you. So thank you guys so much for the work that you do. It does not go unnoticed and we are so, so grateful for it. Grateful for the partnership. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about Fostering Hope, you can find their Facebook page, their website. Um, You can contact me here at the church. I would love to connect you with Joanna and Sarah. And throughout the month of May, we at Christ Church are going to be talking about some cool opportunities that you can be involved in the foster care world here in our community. It is um, something that we as a church care deeply, deeply about. And we would love for you to join us in that because it's an incredible um, ministry, an incredible way that we can be kingdom workers in our community. Thank you so So much for joining us today.